Welcome to Life with Scott Heels. I'm one of two of your hosts, Kurt Weigel, and this is your other host. Hey, it's Kim. Good to see you guys, or talk to you guys again, technically. Please see. Well, we can see each other. <laughs> I can see you, at least. So we have a really good show, I think, planned for this episode. We're going to be talking about finding rest in a restless world. First of all, I think the best thing for us to do is define our terms. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about rest, there are a lot of different definitions of rest in different aspects of our lives. So Kim, when, when I say the word rest, what are you thinking of? Well, I know at least when I originally thought of rest, I just thought of it as a day where, or a time where you weren't doing anything, where you were just relaxing and kind of kicking back. So like a, like, like a, a day off. A day off. A day off, kind of doing what you want to do. Um, or obviously sleep is normally considered part of resting. So physical. A lot of so it was, a lot, a lot of it was definitely more physical. Um, you know, but as I've, you know, been on this journey with God, I think I'm starting to realize it has more to do with, or at least it can have to do with, we're talking about, we talk about resting in who God creates us to be. Mm -hmm. Then it's more about surrendering and trusting, you know, that we are who he says that we are. And that in the first place that he is who he says that he is so that we can actually release and let go you know, of, of things that, you know, have been told to us that, you know, don't line up with who God says we are. Mm. Well, I think you already just spilled the secret <laughs> of rest is, you know, when I think of rest, it is synonymous, mm. a spiritual rest, Yeah. which really is the key to all kinds of rest. Spiritual rest is, the word rest in the spiritual sense is synonymous with surrender, which is what you just said. And how that idea leads to all kinds of rest. But first, before we really delve into that, let's talk about why rest is so important for us um, on whatever aspects. Is like, it, why does this world... You know, I started this whole thing off by saying that we are in a restless world. Agree? Disagree? No, I definitely agree. I think just with, you know, there seems to be a habit now of of being busy, you know, both physically and just the idea of constant serving or constantly being on the go. You know, people brag about how busy their work week is. And <laughs> the problem with the busyness comes in and the restlessness that comes from the busyness is it's a place where when you're that busy, you can't really do what God calls us to do, which is to be still and know him. So that busyness just means that, you know, you're kind of blocking God out from huge chunks of your life. You know, we don't always do it on purpose. Actually, most of the time I'd say that we're just so caught up in what we're doing that we forget that, you know, God created for six days 
and he took a day to step back and enjoy it and, and just be and just cease working. So, <laughs> you know, God set the perfect example for us where a God who doesn't need to rest still took it, still took the time to do it. What, what do you think that rest, since we're talking about God, there's a, I mean, there's so much there in that idea of this six days and then the seventh day of rest. But let's start here. Why do you think, what, okay, maybe this is a better question. What was God resting from? Like it said, it does say he rested, so he rested from something. Um, well, I know we've, we haven't mentioned the Bama podcast on here yet, but Bama podcast um, being one that uh, we've been listening to, you and I have been listening to um, for what, like five, six, I don't know, actually we're for like seven or eight weeks now. Yeah. Somewhere we, in that Yeah, range. I think we're going on episode nine of the first season of the Bama podcast yeah. with a group of people who listen to it during the week and then discuss it yeah. together on Sunday. Um. But since they started in Genesis, that's why this has been a little more fresh on my mind than it normally would be. Um, he was talking about, you know, God stopped creating. God knew when to stop creating. You know, he knew when to say enough was enough. You know, he talks about how, you know, when an artist makes a sculpture, there comes a point where the artist has to know that one more hit of the hammer on the chisel and what was a masterpiece becomes junk because you overdid it. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that you know when enough is enough. And God's like, okay, I've done everything I want to do. This is perfect the way I made it. Like you said, it is good. It's very good. Yeah. And so he stops and enjoys it. Yeah, that's, that is such a big deal. I mean, that that's right on the money as far as what we really need to see when it comes to what God did was he rested from the, from the creative process. And then he, and you said it, he enjoyed his creation. And it's interesting that the day before as, as Genesis one chapter one in the old Testament of scripture tells us that, the day before he rested, he created mankind. He created man and woman. Mm-hmm. And so they were created and then immediately rested with God. And and that rest was a mutual enjoyment of just being together. And how many times have you or I or anyone else been in a situation where we were having such a good time with a group of people that time like was not even a thought in our mind. It was just, it just we didn't even think about what time it was or anything. It was we practiced this timelessness and it flew by, right? It felt like like a moment, right? Where other times were <laughs> things are you know, dragging by. And so it's interesting how rest has this aspect of enjoyment to it. And the Sabbath rest 
that God calls all of humanity to practice one day a week is meant to be a day of enjoyment. How many times do we frame up the physical day of rest as something to enjoy versus how many times, at least in religious circles, is it more of a legalistic thing, more something that weighs people down, what you can't do, right, on that day versus rather what you can do, which is the things that you enjoy. If you look at what what you said God was doing was resting from the creation, from the creative process to enjoy what he created, us, the world. Doesn't that give us a hint of what Sabbath is was created for? And how many times do we uh do we not see it that way? Yeah. I think it's funny you say that because <laughs> so super random, but there's this, author, this Christian author who I, uh, who I really love. Um, she actually wrote in the early 1900s. Um, and I just, it was a super random thing where I was on outreach. I was on a missions trip in Dominican Republic and uh, the youth with a mission base that we were, that we stayed at every weekend had this one tiny little bookcase. <laughs> and of course I had only, we were essentially backpacking it. It was two months long, you know, so I couldn't exactly load myself down with my usual supply of books, <laughs> which um, would be enough to give anyone a backache uh, as proved by the fact that I now have a chiropractor, <laughs> unfortunately, this is a direct result of lifting heavy boxes of books down. Um, but on their bookcase, they had a bunch of this author, uh, Grace Livingston Hill. You know, she wrote these romance, Christian romance books in the, like, probably, like, I think 1920-something. It was right around when she was writing it. Mm. And that was back when the church was very much legalistic about how the Sabbath was being held. And I remember there's this one book. It's one of my absolute favorites of hers. Um and and it's this woman who takes in, um, who ends up, her mom passes away. She's trying to live on her own. And she has these two niece and nephew of hers come, and they're like, we want you to be our mom. Come live with us. And they don't know anything about God, really, or the church. And so, like, well, explain the Sabbath to us. And, you know, because they're like, well, why do we have to go to church? Like, why do we have to, like, do the Sabbath? Like, this seems boring. You know, and, and it, she brings up that verse, you know, um, the Sabbath wasn't made for, or man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Yes, Jesus' words. <laughs> yeah, Jesus' words, you know, and how about it's a time to delight yourself in God and to delight in just being with him. And it totally shifted my perspective because I kind of grew up in a little bit, bit of that environment. I mean, my parents slowly shifted away from it but I remember like not being allowed to go to friends houses and not being allowed to watch certain things and you know just this list of rules of what you couldn't do because mm. it was Sunday mm. you know and I was like oh, this is lame and I'm bored mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and I think there is a, that tendency 
to still get stuck in that mindset mm. of of all these rules and it can only be this this and this and if it's anything else then it's not really a sabbath yeah when in reality the purpose is to enjoy the things that you know like uh what ecclesiastes says is there anything better for a man here's the conclusion is there anything better for a man or a woman mm. to enjoy the fruit of their labor. And so what is it what's the point of working so hard for things that you never get to enjoy because you never take the time to enjoy them. And so Sabbath is a God instituted day of rest in which you get to enjoy the fruit of your labors, the fruit of your creative processes, where you say enough is enough, like God did, and say, okay, it's good for this week. Now let's enjoy, right? And let's start this next week with, with, uh, with enjoyment. So the idea of Sabbath is to enjoy what you like to do, but invite be purposeful in inviting God into the enjoyment so that you can experience him enjoying you as you enjoy what you love to do. That's a mind-blowing thought that I think we, uh, uh, we've missed. And I am definitely one who struggles with this because I grew up in a household where play was not encouraged. And I love to play. It's part of my personality. You know, some people call me Kid Kurt, you know, and that is a nickname that I wear with pride because as we were talking with Steve in our last episode about that playful side that God has created and acknowledges in me. But I grew up in a household with a dad who was a workaholic, uh, who for a time was a single dad after he and, he, he and my mom divorced. And I have these memories that are hard to shake from a, a long period of time through my elementary middle school years where my dad would come home pretty much about, he would make it home about 15 minutes after I got out, I got home from school, mm -hmm. which I hated that. Like he, he, uh, he was, he was home pretty early. And as soon as he got home, he would basically just go in and get changed and into like basically, you know, work clothes for going out and cutting wood. We had a wood furnace, which heated a six bedroom house in Connecticut, oh. which was, I swear to you, was winter six months of the year, right? So that's a lot of wood that needs to be chopped. And he was, he was a postman, so he would spend his mail route looking, as he was delivering mail, looking for downed trees in the woods oh, by, <laughs> by the road so that he could get back there after work before anyone else could see those trees, you know, that had been downed, cut them up, load them in the back of the pickup, and uh, take them home and split them so we would have fuel without having to spend a lot of money for oil. Now, 
My dad, what I've come to learn, what I believe is my dad's love languages, if you know anything about the five love languages, that uh, it's a great book if you've never looked it up. Um, but uh, it's how you receive love, how you give love. You, Everyone has these five love languages. There's probably more, but at least it gives you a framework. And my father, I'm convinced, my father's top love languages, we all have all five, but there's ones that, we kind of lean into, and I'm, I'm convinced my dad's top two love languages was acts of service and quality time. So what he was doing every day, was, in his mind, was showing me love. Yeah. I, I believe that's true now. I've reconciled to that. But to me, it didn't feel like love. Mm-hmm. Because what he would do is, after he got his closed down. He would come into the room of his elementary aged, middle school aged son who was playing with his Star Wars action figures because he just got out of school and just needed to blow off some steam and play, right? And create stories and in his mind and use his huge imagination, which God has blessed me with a gigantic imagination. And I just have this memory of this continual process day after day my dad walking in my room said, put that stuff away. We got to go. And let's go. Yeah. It was more like, let's go, you know. And it wasn't in a very kind manner. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like put all that, the perception I had was put all that silly stuff away. And let's go do something that's important yeah. and real and practical. And... Yeah, my dad didn't rest much. And what my perception was, this is who I am. I'm a person who loves to play. And the message I received was, that is not okay. Who you are is not okay. And what we call that is shame. Yeah. And so I have struggled for years with this idea of, you know, like who your earthly father is, is often the lens through which you see your heavenly father right? Yeah. God's call calls himself our father, right? Jesus names God our father, right? And so I've wrestled with rest, with the idea of a physical day of rest to where I can invite God in to enjoy me, enjoying what I love to do. Well, you can see how far from my my perception of my my earthly father that could be and so what i learned to do with my earthly father was hide when i wanted to play not be home be somewhere else so he couldn't find me and i can do the things i enjoyed can you see how that can translate yeah to uh my view of our heavenly father and how he has worked very hard to break down those uh those perceptions of him and even of seeing my earthly father through different lenses that that's not what he meant to convey you know i believe that to this day now that that that's not what he meant to convey and one other thought that just slipped in before we we before i turn it over to you to comment on that but uh my dad my perception was he didn't see play as a very practical thing rest physical rest in that way of enjoyment as a very practical thing 
at least in the way I enjoyed it, right? <clears throat> and yet, in practical terms, there is there is a practical thing about taking a day off. Our our brains are wired in such a way, our bodies are wired in such a way that we they produce serotonin. Mm-hmm. And serotonin is that feel-good um, chemical that is in our bodies. Well, serotonin is only is really only developed when we are at rest. Like, think of your body as creating this drip bag that drips serotonin into your into your well into yourself and and creates that sense of well-being. It happens. Your body accumulates that serotonin you need to function when you rest, when you take physical time for enjoyment, to be, as you said, to be present to God, to be present and be with other people and to do the things you enjoy. That's when serotonin is replenished. And And that's a very practical, real, tangible expression of how God created us. And when you don't take the rest, you burn away your serotonin that your body needs for well-being. Slowly but surely, you, you burn it up with no replenishment. And what does your body turn to when there's no serotonin? It turns to adrenaline. Yeah. And adrenaline is like... You know, it's like a gasoline system being put sugar or something else. It doesn't belong in that system. Eventually, the system gets burned up because adrenaline is for quick bursts of fight or flight type scenarios, right? And so this is what happens when, on a physical sense that reflects our spiritual sense when we don't rest. We are burning ourselves out. <clears throat> Comments, thoughts? <laughs> No, it it makes sense. Of course, I resonate with it too, since uh, you're talking to another one whose parents did not believe, for the most part, at least, in rest. And if they were working, Mm. you sure as heck better be, or you better have hidden really, really well, Mm. which I I did actually have quite a few hiding places on, you know, one and a half acres. It's slightly easier to have at least one or two places that they don't know about most of the time. Till they start yelling, you're still not far enough away that you can't hear that. You know that you're <laughs> that you better get your butt over there unless you really want a, a tanning that you won't forget anytime soon. Well, we had acres of forest behind our house, so I could get far enough away that I could hear nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it makes sense, right? Because I I find myself doing the same thing frequently, where instead of actually resting, I'm hiding. You know, it's something God's been working on me, too, because that was, quote, how I got any rest. That was how I avoided everything in my family, you know, because that was the only way any of us knew how. (laughs) You know, I caught my mom on it with the computer. You know, she'd tell me how busy she was, but I'd watch her play three hours of Galaxy or 
uh, Galaxy Quest or something. I don't That's know. a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying the actual right name of the video game that was on the computer from 1990-something. <laughs> I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah. Other than to know that, that she cared about that game an awful lot for something that wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> you know. But there was just this constant of like, well, if if you can't ignore it, then you have to keep going and going and going. Mm. You know. And so I, I totally remember because it was such a slow change because it used to be I would be outside all the time. I mean, I was that kid. I was, uh, okay, I honestly thought the world should pretty much have a soundtrack. I blame all the musicals that I watched as a kid. I was, I was that if it wasn't being provided for me then I had to provide the soundtrack which worked great until my sister started catching me at it Why, what happened then? oh lots of teasing and tormenting uh, gotcha. in, in a typical younger sister fashion she thought that mocking me for singing constantly was you know it was another game for her mm. so but then I started noticing you know the, the crazier our family got and the harder things got the less time I spent outside, the less time I spent doing things that I love doing, the more time I spent doing things that were easier to hide in. I mean, it's much easier to hide in a book, you know, than to be outside where I might have to be awake to what's going on. And when you say hide, would would you define that for for you? What for what me, hiding was? What did what did it when when you mean hide? You were hiding hiding probably from the emotions and from what from reality to a certain extent it meant putting myself in a place where I didn't have to deal with what was going on you know it was fine to cry over the book characters hardships but it wasn't a good idea to to face what was going on in my family you know so it, it meant just a lot of <laughs> Like I said, hiding from reality, pushing down, you know, as we've talked about before, I'm an Enneagram 9, and that's what we do, is we forget. We do whatever it takes to forget. So you fall asleep to... So you fall asleep to... I fell asleep to my anger. I fell asleep to most of my emotions. I mean, honestly, for the longest time, someone would be like, oh, how are you doing? I'd be like, okay. And then if they push, I'd be like, I have no idea. Mm. I honestly didn't know. You know, and it would just it just got worse and worse and worse until finally the the dam burst. And the dam burst by something we've already talked about, um, by Kelly's sister dying in that crash. Which was just a couple of weeks ago we talked about. Yeah, that was had two Kelly weeks out. ago. Yeah. Yeah, because at that point. A couple episodes ago. A couple of episodes ago. <laughs> weeks, episodes, Whatever. Something, you know. But that was that was kind of like the turning point. That was something that was big enough that I couldn't shove it down and fall asleep to it anymore. Because it was just too big. That was like one more blow. And that was the one that kind of burst the dam open. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm facing all these emotions that I don't know what to do with. Do you think, well, let me ask this, let me ask the question this way. Hiding from yourself, what did that, what was that uh, relationship or correlation to how you were relating to God? If you were hiding within yourself, 
what did that what did that do um or how did that define what you thought of god or what your relationship with him was like in that hiding well that hiding that was that was back when i was pretty well convinced that i knew god was real and i knew he created everything but i didn't really think he actually cared that much to be involved you know i mean the the verses sound nice you know, for God so loved the world that gave his only son. And I believed it, but as far as personal involvement was, he was kind of like my dad where he said a lot of words and then didn't follow through with it. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, well, he's leaving me in the middle of this. So I'm, you know, I just kind of ignored, you know, I mean, I read the Bible because I had to. <laughs> we were, mom was still very big on memorizing scripture and everything. But it was almost more like it was information and not relationship at that point. So what did Kelly, when you said the dam broke emotionally, what did that also do for your relationship with God? That was definitely when I started noticing a hunger to to experience him the way I saw him in the Bible. So you were asleep to that before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there'd be brief moments where it surface, but, you know, then I'd get uncomfortable and quickly shove it back down because, you know, emotions and life and not wanting to be affected by life, which is how a nine copes, mm-hmm. um, was super high. Like, it wasn't like I had to think about it. That was just natural instinct taking over. I never had to think about shoving that stuff down after a certain point. And so when the dam burst and all of a sudden I'm stuck with all these emotions and I can't really escape from them for very long anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong, an afternoon nap will still knock out a few hours. <laughs> um, but it did. It started producing a hunger in me to experience the God I was seeing in the Bible. You know, I started paying attention to to who the Bible said God was, which admittedly wasn't what I was experiencing or seeing in my life. And that, yeah, that started the hunger. That started the, the pressing in. And I would love to say I never fell asleep again, but that'd be a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't stay asleep. Yeah, because I'd spent, I probably spent at least eight years being asleep by that point. So... It was kind of a big deal to wake back up and suddenly have to deal with all of that. So from your personal experience in all of this, how do you see other people in that that struggle of – so this is the way you framed framed it up earlier, is that people run around super busy and brag about how busy they are like it's something like a badge of honor or importance. So based on what you just shared in your experiences, how do you think other people's busyness relates to your story? You know, it's, it's weird, but it seems like it's another form of hiding. You know, it really is because if you're so busy that you're constantly on the go, you don't have time to stop and examine what's going inside of you or you know take the time to see who God really is why is that so scary do you think I think there's always that fear that God isn't really who he says he is 
or that we'll be so overwhelmed by who we think we are. Because the second you stop moving you, and you start looking at yourself, you, the enemy is not going to just sit there and let you only see the pretty parts of yourself. Not if you're being honest and really looking close, but you're going to start seeing all the dirty parts and the broken parts and all the things that you don't want to think about and that you want to avoid. Yeah. And what are the first thoughts usually that we hear when we get still? Not enough, broken, there's something wrong with you. It's the shame coming through. Yeah. You know, it's not, oh, I did something wrong. It's I am something wrong. You know, and that's, the, the, all of us have those wounds in different areas. But, you know, from the, oh, well, these people couldn't possibly actually like me because I'm not sure I like me. You know, and it's easy when you're busy to not think about those things. But the second you start stop moving, enemy's like, well, you're really not that great. You know, you're kind of annoying to be around. Why would you want? Why would anyone else want to hang out with you? And you have all these issues that have not been dealt with. <laughs> right. And and so there's a double whammy. So when you're busy. You don't have to think about such things. You can you can suppress all those feelings of shame and those specific thoughts about your failures or you know yeah. our failures as people, right. not your but everyone. And you can also feel better about yourself or feel like you're earning people's approval. Yeah, because you're doing. Yeah, because you're earning it. Yeah. It's all about what you can earn and about your own effort. So even people who are Christ followers fall into this cycle, fall yeah. into these patterns of behavior. In fact, say that we can at times be the worst because Sunday's busy too, <laughs> right? There's a reason that my set, that both of our Sabbath day is not actually on Sunday. Yeah, I choose. I mean, I choose Saturday. Yeah, well, that's my current one too. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So. Oh, we have uh, we have somebody on the line. Actually. What? Yeah. Well, that hasn't happened yet. No. Uh, <laughs> I just I just this is new for me because we don't have a. <laughs> yeah, let me hang on. Let me see if I can I can get this person over and uh, and see what this is about. Hold on, this could be fun. Yeah. This is an adventure. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I was moving my headset around. Why is why is it so unusual for somebody to be on the line? What's that? Why is it so unusual for someone to be on the line? I've never heard anyone on the line besides. Oh well, it's <laughs> well. First of all, uh, who is this? What's your name? Hi, Jackie. Jesse? Jackie. Like Jacqueline. Jack. Oh, Jacqueline. Yeah. Thank you. It's hard to hear. I'm turning you up a little bit so I can hear. Um, it's yeah. unusual because uh, usually when we do this live like this, um, mm-hmm. we uh, we honestly 
we honestly don't really promote the line anymore. So uh, we usually just go with a conversation between Kim and I or whoever we're interviewing live. So this is this is cool, Jacqueline. Uh, thanks for, but thank you for calling in. Thank you for taking the call. Yeah, you did. You have some thoughts as to what we were talking about about rest and Sabbath and and things well, like that. Because you you could see when I got on, so I didn't get the full gist of the conversation. But um, like I I I grew up at a time where you know, like the Sabbath, the Sabbath in my um. My home was considered very important, even though we had like a, a a difference. My parents saw religion from two different perspectives. Hmm. Um, my my grandmother acknowledged the Sabbath, you know, as um she had actually like she went through some type of flip flop between Seventh Day Adventist and um, Pentecostal, apostolic. Gotcha. Yes. And it wasn't until many years that I understood, looking back, that way at one point in time she was supposedly apostolic, but then she ended up joining the um, the Seventh Day Adventist Church. And one of my other aunts did that as well too. But I never had a conversation really with this aunt to find out why she made that decision. But I know that mm. um, Saturday. By the end of the week, Friday was like shoring up everything that you worked on in the week. And then by Saturday, it was the rest of the day. Um, if they cooked, they just, you know, made the soup, you know, to carry us until Sunday. It just seems as if those three days, whether Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all together was a time of rest and deep. And we communing with family and slowing down. And th- this was way before the world began to go really crazy and out of control. Now when I look back at it, um, I know definitely in terms of rest and just honoring God in that, in that space of time was very important. Yeah. Obvious. Whereas, whereas now, it's common for people to work on Saturdays and Sundays, depending on their type of shift work. And I think that was deliberate as well, to pull people away from themselves and make them work a holiday. I think that was definitely deliberate, yeah, you, you, deliberate from, from the standpoint of, like, the corporation. I think we, we, we sold ourselves to, to the job. I know that for certain. I, I could admit that. That it, you don't realize that until after you knee deep in it that they pretty much own your time and 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 if you're not careful you lose that space to um, worship and you know recommune and yes definitely get rest and I have to learn about work. That's a great. I mean, that's a great point. Is that that we can we can get not only from our own standpoint of trying to run from our, you know, our own thoughts and feelings and uh, hide and suppress those things and just being busy. But we also have these, these demands on us from, from corporations that uh, don't have 
necessarily the same viewpoint. Uh, those who run the companies don't necessarily have the same viewpoint as the people in the companies, right? And so they don't see the value of of people for a time and rest. They they're looking at the bottom line of money. And right. And and the, let me give you let me let me give you something that I've noticed, and I can say I've noticed it within like the last I want to say twenty years, only because my family was affected by it. There was a period of time where everybody got paid every week, right? Mm-hmm. And then it went to like, then you start to hear about bi-weekly versus bi-monthly in terms of tax structures and all that. And then slowly but surely, pretty much everyone went to like a two week. You got paid every two weeks, which was an adjustment. They were stretching your money to wait for that money out, right? Yeah. Then after a while, you start to notice where then the day got longer. Because I hardly know anyone, especially if you work in manufacturing, that don't work a 12-hour shift. Ooh, 12-hour shift. My husband's been doing it for years, and he's been doing a brutal one. He's been doing one where he rotates. Hmm. So it's like it takes half of your Life away from you, whether you work 12 hours night or 12 hours day, it owns your time. And it never made sense because I always said these corporations, they should have studied any board and at least the assembly line. It would have made more sense for the American family to at least have a nuclear family. Instead, I think the, 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 working, the working schedules and the working habits and all of that, it really, it, it disintegrated the family. It's, it's not just those people who don't have two-parent households. A lot of people blame a lot of the societal ills on just single parenting, single parenting. Well, you've also made um, married couples single parenting with how you stretch them out. And, and, mm-hmm. and the other side of that, because I get that this is a Christian-based show, the other side of that is that it keeps it keeps you away from your your nuclear family where people used to commune together, used to pray together, used to break bread together. That hardly ever happens anymore. It has to be a big holiday for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly right. I mean it's what Kim was talking about earlier was the idea of, you know, uh, a Sabbath being a day of being putting down all the doing so that you could be with God, be with other people, you know, and just be yourself, be who God created you to be. And what you're describing is, is very similar to what I think Israel found in their slavery, right? They were Mm -hmm. slaves for over 400 years and they were considered Mm -hmm. by their taskmasters to be tools. They weren't seen as human. Mm-hmm. They were seen as tools to be used 24-7, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, the only, and the only physical rest was so that they could, once again, produce more. And so they learned to adopt that viewpoint of themselves that, mm-hmm. you know, to go from being human beings to human doings. 
and why when God brought them out of slavery, he instituted again that Sabbath rest as a very important thing to to give them a, a, a greater viewpoint of who they really were and their identity. Would it be safe to say, would it be safe to say, I don't want to, you know, um, just dominate conversation, but would it be safe to say that the average person now, life is is that of a slave? Would it be safe to say that the average person would yeah, I would it be safe to say that the average person now uh lives like that with that kind of slave mentality? Um Kim, what do you think? I mean I certainly I'd say to a certain extent, yeah. There's definitely a trend towards your value is in what you do and what you can produce. And mm-hmm. if you can't produce or if you don't measure up to this unseen standard, then mm-hmm. you're worthless and you don't have value. Mm-hmm. And it makes it hard to rest because there's that constant feeling of I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to push harder. I have to be what everyone else expects me to be. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I've failed. Yeah. And that's so not a place where you're going to get rest. What's that, Jacqueline? What about the debt part of it? What the about debt the debt part? part of it with so many people being in debt? Oh, yeah. That's a great, that's a great question. What is it about debt? Um, so we live in a – it's almost like a, a circular uh, kind of, of, of slavery, right, where the world around mm-hmm. us tells us how we need all of these things to be happy right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what commercials are all about. You need this to be important. You need this to be happy. You need this to be somebody. And so mm-hmm. we have a tendency of going into debt to accumulate those things. And mm-hmm. then when we get into debt, we have to keep working to, uh, mm-hmm. to deal with the debt that <laughs> we, we got ourselves into to accumulate things we thought we needed to be important. And so and all of that is this trap of of identity, finding our identity in the wrong things. And it's a slavery okay. to the to to what really the world and the enemy of of God and his creation says our identity is, right? Which is always based on doing. And 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 so he enslaves us um, mm-hmm. in a false identity. Mm-hmm. And, and we are like little hamsters running on that wheel going nowhere when we buy into that. And uh, what God, and it's, it really comes down to, and this is, this is interesting. You, here's where you're, you've gotten us to, Jacqueline. You've gotten us to really the, the, the fundamental of uh, idea of the secret of what rest really is. The secret to rest Mm -hmm. is that the word rest is synonymous with surrender. As Kim said in the beginning of the episode is rest depends on trusting who God says he is and who he says we are. And if we trust him for who he really is Mm -hmm. 
and we trust him for who he says we are, then we will surrender to him. And when we surrender to him, we find ourselves in a place of rest. We find ourselves learning to rest, relax, and receive all of who he is, which takes us right back to my favorite scripture this year or in the last few years of John 1.12. For those who receive him, for those who believe in his name, which means authority, his authority, they have been given the right, which also means authority, to be children of God. So you can read that as for those who receive God and all of who he is, they truly receive the fullness of who God is to them and believe in his authority. He gives them the authority to, to live as children of God in that authority. And so it comes down to believing and receiving, which is faith. And when we do, we rest in him. And let him carry us. That's really, that's really what this is all about. Yeah, so, you gave yeah. me confirmation of something that I was wrestling with this week. Um, in terms of resting in his presence and just, just, just letting God have his way. You know, the obstacles and the challenges that I face. As much as I want to control situations and outcomes, I realize that I can't do better than God. <laughs> so, yeah, who can do better than God, right? <laughs> you know, so there's some things that are completely out of my control. And, you know, I, I need the physical rest, the um, emotional rest. And yes. Definitely, even the spiritual rest that God has His way, because everywhere I turn and I look around, I see, I see like, I see like the the, the, the after effects of a lot of um, a lot of things that really is out of our control. You can't control it, and and I I trust and believe like everything that we're looking at at times that God is just allowing it to happen for a reason. Like I. I like I say if God didn't want to allow COVID, no scientists, no, no nobody, no conspiracy theories, nobody could have have stopped it. And I believe that at the end result, whatever happened or whatever hidden hand is at play, you know, God is he's the master. You know, like well, the words say, he's the, he's the finisher of our faith. I, 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 I literally had to be forced to. Well, what's really interesting about that, yeah, he is definitely the finisher of our faith, right? Um, and this comes yeah. back to the idea of trust again is, you know, uh, yeah. Ephesians 1, or Philippians 1, six says, being confident of this, mm-hmm. that he who mm-hmm. began the good work in you will carry it to completion, right? Um, we can be confident in this, and this is what trust looks like, that God is the one carrying us, and we can lean back into his arms and let him carry us. Now, we have a a responsibility to be involved with him, but that really is first surrender. And what I loved about what you said um, is that God has a reason for things. If he didn't want COVID to happen, it wouldn't have happened. And you think think about COVID. Weapons of the world, COVID hit. We all slowed down. 
all the busyness of the world kind of took a few steps back and we had more most time. People, most people didn't even realize it. They don't even realize that. And it, I'm telling you, they don't because I'm, I just, I just we have to acknowledge it. I realize that, you know what, whatever reason, God, for whatever reason, he's trying to get our attention. All our attention. Yeah. Not just my yeah. attention. It's your attention, too. It's everybody's attention. Something, something is just not right. Like, like I say, like most scriptures stay with me. That's been really like ringing in my my mind lately. He said, "My people will call by my name to humble themselves, seek my face." Mm. And when I tell you that that word has been, it's just been in my spirit for a very, very long time. Even yeah. when I, I had I had I had lost I when I tell you my faith has been tested in so many ways, so many ways, even outside of COVID. That even one time I found myself in a place I was like, Well God, where are you? Because this mm. doesn't make sense. Why do things will happen? Because you know my heart. Why why do I have to go through this? You know, literally. Well, Jackie, I'll tell you this. That question that you are asking, God, where are you in the midst of this? I think personally, that is the best question. And that is actually what surrender looks like. What? So we talked about rest is really surrender. And surrender is us surrendering our, you know, you said emotional rest, physical rest. Yeah, well, emotional rest comes from surrendering our emotions to God, like acknowledging them, right? Saying, I'm confused by this. I'm upset about what's happening, and I don't understand it. That, uh, that's when we surrender our questions and our fears and our emotional, you know, uh, junk to God and just acknowledge it to him and ask the question, I don't understand what's going on. I'm afraid. I'm confused. Where are you? That is the best question. Most people ask why. (laughs) Then where are you, God, or who are you to me in this? So I would just say, uh, Jackie, we only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to have to jump off this call and wrap up with Kim. No problem. Thank you anyway. I appreciate it. That question, I want to acknowledge, you just, that question you're asking that's the question of surrender that leads to rest and all the rest you talked okay. about. So I want to acknowledge that you just, you, you're nailing it with that question. So yeah. thank you yeah. for calling in. Sometimes I don't even feel that. Thank yeah. you. What's that, Jackie? I said, sometimes I don't even feel it. Like I said, I've, I've asked God, where are you? Because, this doesn't make sense, but then at the same time, I understand that he's God because I'll I'll turn around and then I'll ask that question, but then I'll turn around and I'll see him in something else, and then it'll be like, okay, I get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, have a I lot mean, to be thankful for even in the midst, even in the midst of the storm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and you know what? That Thanksgiving gets us. You know, Colossians three says. Um, it, it tells us, right, to to put on 
like it really says put on these things compassion put on humility like you talked about humble yourself the prayer of humble humbling yourself but one of the last things it tells us to put on um to be clothed in is thankfulness to be thankful and and there's this thing about thanks thankfulness even when we're confused and we don't understand and we are thankful to god when we give god thanks and we find reasons to give him thanks it lines us up with his way of thinking to see things through his viewpoint because god is great gratitude he is thanksgiving we we don't realize how much he's grateful and thankful for his creation and when we when we give him thanks we get we line up and acknowledge that he is trustworthy. It lines up our faith with him to really believe who he says he is and see things through his eyes. And that's when we can look around through the lens of God's eyes, which Isaiah 55 says, his ways are higher than our ways. 55.8 says, "My way, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so when we give thanks, we get to we get to think God's thoughts and see God's ways through His point of view. So that's really awesome, Jackie. Thank you. Got to jump, Amen. but I really thank appreciate you. this call. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. And try to follow the show. Thank we you. We would love that. We would love that. You've been a blessing. Thank you for this. You've been a blessing too. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Wow, that was cool. Yeah. First time since I, well, admittedly, I haven't been on that long, so I can't remember the last time someone actually took us up on that. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time since we uh, had somebody on. So that, and Jackie, if you're listening still, yeah, you were a blessing. That was an amazing call, and you really got us to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what we wanted to talk about, honestly. Yeah. And uh, so that idea, so we're ending with this idea of surrender, Ken, that we really come to rest when we surrender. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you have on that? It's it's so funny because we know that surrender is necessary, but I was just laughing because I was sitting there. I was like, I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, I'm going to do my quiet time. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I was like, but I could read instead. Mm. So I had that moment. And, you know, I was, I was talking with God later on going like, I'm like, man, I blew it. He's like, yeah, but that moment's already passed. Are you going to surrender to me now? Yes. You know, he's like, it, it, we, we, we joke about it all the time that my favorite Kung Fu Panda quote. Yes. You know, is yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery, and today is called is a gift. That's why it's called the present. But really, he literally says that he's like, I've given you today. It's literally he says it in scripture. I've given you today. Yeah. Will you respond now? Yeah. And I can't change the moments I didn't surrender in the past. Right. You know, and I'm not given the choice to surrender in the future. But we're given the choice to surrender in the moment that we're in. Right this moment. I had a friend of mine talking this week about how she feels defeated a lot of the times. And God said something to me 
when I was wallowing in a bunch of my failures earlier in the week. And God said, Kurt, I just heard Jesus very clearly say to me this. Why are you, why are you taking things that aren't yours to take? Why are you holding on to things that aren't yours to hold on to? He said, I took all your failures and burdens from you at the cross and I nailed them there and then I gave you my victory over death when I rose from the dead I traded you your failures for my victory so why are you holding on to what's mine those failures are mine and it was such a powerful moment Cam for me I was like wow I am I am taking things like I'm stealing from God when I wallow in failure, I'm stealing from God. And this is what keeps us so busy is that shame, right? That feeling yeah. of failure, the feeling of we're not enough, like you said. And this is the key to rest, the surrender. When those things, yeah, inevitably, whenever we slow down, the first things we're going to hear is those accusations, right? But Romans 8.1 says, what? You know that one? There is. Now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this is what why surrender is trust. We have to trust what God says is true. There is now no condemnation. It's hard to do sometimes when those voices are of condemnation and shame are ringing in our ears so loudly. But this is the key of rest, is surrender. The moment we have those thoughts in our mind is the moment that God has given us, right, right? We can't do anything about the failures that happened before. But in that moment, what you said, we only have this moment. When those things come up, all the things we've done in the past, all the things we think of ourselves because of them, all the times we failed and been hurt by other people and the messages we've received, here's where healing comes, is taking the moment to acknowledge those thoughts before God and surrender them to him. In that moment, the honesty of going, this is what I'm feeling right now, God. I'm feeling like a failure. I'm feeling like such an idiot, right? I f- I'm thinking of this time this person hurt me. And and all of the the messages of inferiority I got from that thing they said about me mm-hmm. to other people, That's we have to surrender those things when they come up to God. And when we surrender them to them to him, he says, yeah, those were my things all along. I took them from you, and you're giving them back. So thank you. <laughs> so let me give you my rest, and let me give you in return my victory, and let me give you my power and authority for those who receive him and all of his victory that he has for them and all of his compassion and all of his humility towards them. For those who receive him, he gives the right. Who believe in his authority over all of that failure, he gives the right, the authority to be children of God. We have the authority to walk in his victory. We have the right to wield his power in this world. And his power is one of humility, compassion, peace, and joy. And that's what he gives to us. And that's what we need to practice And the more we take days of rest and we invite God in 
and we slow down. And when those thoughts hit us, we practice surrendering them in that day of rest. The more we learn to enjoy that day, and then we learn to enjoy him working. We surrender our work to him and everything else we're doing. And we find joy becoming an exceeding component in our daily living. Surrender is the key. And don't even get me started on when I talked about all the things that people have done to me roll back up into my mind when I slow down. This is why forgiveness is an act of surrender. Surrendering the hurt. Surrendering the people who've hurt us to God and getting them out of our heart and mind, evicting them, serving them the eviction notice and getting them out. And when we surrender them to God, what comes in? To those places where they once filled with all their hurtful words. Peace. The joy of the Lord. His victory. Victim mentality looks a lot like running, running, running and never slowing down. That's actually slavery as we talked about with Jacqueline. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. I don't remember who said it, but someone once said forgiveness is letting the other person go and realizing that you were the one that was just set free. Yeah. From them. From, from them. all the hurtful words. Yeah. And now allowing space for God's not joy and non-condemnation or judgment towards us, but joy over us to fill those places. And uh, Jackie said, you know, she has to keep asking, right? Like she talked about she keeps she keeps asking God, where are you, God, in all of this? Well, yeah. that's the thing. We have to keep doing it. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Right? Ask, seek, knock. And it was in a continual, the way the Greek is set up, it's in a continual action. You have to keep, keep asking, asking. To, to for the door to be opened, for the answer to be given, rather. Yeah. Keep knocking for the door to be opened that we're looking for in the next pathway. Keep seeking to find those things that we're after, which is joy and rest. So surrender has got to be a perpetually growing function in our daily living if we're going to experience rest. It's the secret to everything. Yeah. Well, why don't you pray for us, Kim? And for all of us who need rest badly, <laughs> you pray for that. Mm. And maybe uh, throw Jackie's name in there yeah. and her family. Dad, you are so good. We just want to start by thanking you that we can trust you, that you are who you say you are, and that you are always faithful even when we are faithless. Dad, thank you that you are not scared of our hurt or our anger or our frustration or our wounds. Dad, but that you invite us into the wrestling match with you to let all of that go and to bring all of it to you. Mm. Dad, I just ask you would help us to surrender, that you would help us to say out loud because there's so much power in words and not hold things into our heart. Father, but to release them to you, that we would come to you with open hands, not grasping things that weren't meant for us to carry. Mm. 
Dad, thank you for Jackie. Thank you for her calling in. That was such a cool surprise. Um, Father, she's in that place where she is seeking you and asking, where are you? And we don't know all the circumstances, but you do, and none of it is a surprise to you, and none of it is bigger than you. Mm. So just thank you that you are providing for her and her family all that they need. You're providing abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope for. Mm. Yes. I thank you that you are Jackie's peace, that you are the one who provides, that you are her hope. And that this is going to be a season where she is going to get to taste and see that you are good. Mm. You are not a distant God, but you are up close and personal in the middle of the battle with her. And that she gets the joy and honor of being your daughter and just being still and watching to see what you will do. And we thank you that that's true for all of us. And I just ask that you would have those Easter eggs for us in this coming week as we come up as Easter is this Sunday, that we would see your Easter eggs, those things that you have hidden for us in the coming week. Out of joy. (laughs) (laughs) That you delighted and you took joy in the things that you have hidden for us. Mm. Thank you that that is the truth that we can stand on. Mm. And we ask these things in your name, in the authority of your son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Thank you you for being on the show with me. Thank you, Jackie, for calling in. And uh, now you know everyone is listening. You can call in, too, and and talk with us. And if you are more of just want to kind of throw things out there and not necessarily have a conversation, we have an email. You can reach out with your questions or things that you would like prayer for us to pray for you about. We would love that. So it's Life Hurts, God Heals, 2020 all members, Life Hurts God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening in. We love you. We are so grateful for your participation in this uh, podcast and show. Thank you so much. Thank you.